Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast that board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. This is episode 449, Board Game Mechanics Dice. We like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Alright friends, we are back and we are shooting some dice this week. We're talking about one of the most amazing game mechanics, I guess like Kind of like the game mechanic when most people think about board games. Typically, they think about dice. So, Anthony, dice, you you roll you roll with that, right? You're... I in some circumstances, yeah. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> if if they're done right, uh, this actually comes from a recommendation of one of our listeners over on the Discord, Ryan, who asked us to like, what about an episode with a deep dive on a specific mechanic and and different games that represent different ways that that mechanic is used. So. Uh, we're going to talk about dice, but we're going to talk about dice in, I don't know, like 20 different ways or yeah. however many we wrote up here. So uh, it should be fun. It should be interesting. Some of these are great. Some of these are less great. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about how they work. It's about the complexities and the varieties of the utilization of dice. And honestly, I think we put together a really great list and rationales for why these dice are important. That being said, dice are used in so many ways. When we play board games, it's no longer just like you roll a die and you do a thing. It's it's so many other stuff. So I think it's a good opportunity to take a look, take a step back and think about, you know, just a genius, right? Because when you, you see dice, you think movement, and that's true, but they, you know, designers have looked at it for other ways. So we'll be talking about all those different ways. And again, there's so many more, but thank you, Ryan. Uh, as always, our Patreon backers are you know, help produce our episodes. So please, again, join us on patreon.com and you too can get us to do things on the podcast. 
There you go. All right. Well, before we get into the full episode, I just wanted to wrap up. We've been talking about the uh, charity big board game day. It happened yesterday. I am exhausted. (laughs) Uh, We ran a 12 plus hour event benefiting specifically Troop Troop 6000, which is a Girl Scout troop in New York City made up of girls in the shelter system. And them, along with their family, came down to Fanwood, New Jersey, and we put on a tremendous show for them. Uh, We had food, we had games, we had entertainment, and we really just got to get to know the girls and about their world and about their lives and really just sit and listen. And it was a really wonderful experience for everyone involved. Uh, We were all crying. It was a really good thing. And they loved the idea that we did care enough to include them in that. And that's really what we want to do. We want to bring everyone to the table. And of course, as adult board gamers, we know that there are not enough women at our table. And generally, the problem is us, that we as men have not created a space where it's open and welcoming. And as a guy going to game stores, going to conventions, or trying to get over to a table, it's even happened to me. Like, I have felt unwelcomed. So if I feel unwelcomed, in an environment or at a table that looks like me, imagine, you know, people out there it doesn't look like. And how are they challenged to get to the table? And again, we want to get as many people to the table because, you know, let's be a little selfish. The more people at the table, the more games we get played. The more great games that are out there, the more great new game designers and artists and people in the industry. So it's a win-win for everyone involved. We raised a lot of money. For these people and for the, the Fanwood Presbyterian Church that hosted us, thank you so much. Uh, for our best friends over there, Chris, Aaron, Vanessa, and everyone in their family who came out and supported and did a lot of great work out there. Board Games for the Better, we had Chris on previously, so check out those episodes. And again, thank you everyone else, our Patreon backers. These events cost a lot of money, and because of your support, we were able to do them. And everyone else out there who helped promote the events on social media or came themselves, thank you so much. It was a great day. We love putting on charity events. We usually do one or two a year without the whole COVID situation happening. And it was just an amazing experience to see new people at the table. That's wonderful. Yeah, I I was really sad I couldn't make it uh, just logistically family stuff. And uh, it was just really amazing to see all the, the discussions and conversations going on in the discord and the planning and then seeing what, how everything planned out. So um, amazing work y'all did up there. Yeah. And hopefully it's just the beginning. We're looking to do this again, either annually or biannually. Uh, the Girl Scouts do such amazing things as far as leadership for young women. And we want to help support that. And again, get more women into board gaming. They're amazing. We need them. It's not the same. So, um, you know, we'll be at PAX Unplugged. So we'll be talking to publishers, designers, and gamers. Hopefully we can inspire more people to help get more women and young girls into gaming. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on with us. Uh, Let's talk about what our listeners are talking about. What's our question of the week? All righty. The question of the week this week, I asked everybody, uh, well, this was yours, so. (laughs) Yay, I did a thing. Yeah, Yeah, this wasn't my (laughs) question of the week. Um, I asked everybody about... uh, Ouija. Oh, uh, we asked everybody about Ouija. Uh, Ouija, Ouija is a blank game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And there were several options here: mm-hmm. dexterity, hidden movement, deduction, word, cooperative, worker, 
spirit placement haunting. So well, uh, that last one's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, read it in a sentence because I think because again, so one of the, one of the thoughts that just hit me in the head. It was quite a while ago. It was even before Halloween. Was Ouija's a board game? Like it's legitimately a board game. It's sold as a board game. And for those of you who don't know, it's this idea of a board that has lettering and words on it, and everyone around the board is supposed to put their hands on. And again, forgive me, I can't remember what the specific puck thing is. And they put their hands on the puck, and then they call out to the spirits, and it's supposed to move the puck through their hands. So you're not supposed to move it. The spirit's supposed to move it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so what kind of board game is that? How is that listed? So I have a whole bunch of listings. So yes. Yeah. And I, I feel like, honestly, the answer might be all of them. But let's see what people had to say. <laughs> uh, Christopher over on the Patreon says, how about a seance game? But seriously, it's defined. It's definitely a worker, parentheses, spirit placement parentheses haunting game um i'm not doing it justice it is funny worker spirit placement haunting game thank you uh, <laughs> but but the way it's i speak it it's not as funny as if you read it yeah uh ryan says a cooperative word deduction game sounds about right so got two of them in there uh-huh. um over on the facebook several answers we've got fed says all of the above <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm with fed i think uh, Chris says, limited communication, semi-cooperative, dexterity, social deduction, with player elimination. Well, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> player elimination, okay. Well, I guess a player was eliminated before the game, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In order to play the game, there has to be an eliminated player that's actually played. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, we've got other answers here. Party game, several people said party game. Okay. Uh, parlor, and then um, Alan, of course, it just... Because you got always got to have the one answer is waste of an evening. Oh, getting spicy. I see uh, that. Yeah, honestly, I think all of these are probably the right answer. Because it, the thing about Ouija is someone's always moving the puck. So, what? Someone's always someone's no. a, and then you, your hands on it, so you're like, oh, it's moving, but someone's always moving it. Get out of here, man. Yeah, come on. I never played no. it, so I don't know. But I, I got to believe that it's it's real. It's it, you know, it's it's sold by like Parker Brothers, so you know, it, it must thing. be real. Yeah, it the, is. The ghost of the Parker Brothers is trapped in that box. <laughs> well, Jumanji's a thing, right? So why not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. All right. Well, there's a fun question for you. Please jump onto our Facebook and our social media, depending on what is purchased by a billionaire at that time we have lots of social media out there we'd love to hear from you again the website is honestly the best place you can find us boardgamersanonymous.com tons and tons of content on there and again youtube all those other kind of platforms and things like that and you know just put your hands on your iphone and just let it lead you to the social media of your choice that's all i'm saying and then leave a review because you know When you do good things, people get upset. So do a good thing and, yeah, let the spirit move you. That's all I'm saying. Spirit move you, man. (laughs) All right. So that's everything that's happening with our friends out there. Anthony, let's talk about the games that we want to hit our table this week. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. So I'm going to talk about a game that was just announced from DeVere. Uh, So DeVere just put out, like, their whole listing of everything uh, that they're going to release in 2024. At Essen. So these are all new games. Well, there are many new games. I'm only going to talk about one of them, but there's several that look interesting. 
One in particular that jumped out to me, though, is called Cities, and it's coming from Phil Walker-Harding of all the game's fame. I've Um, heard of him. Yeah, right? (laughs) And then Steve Finn, also known as Dr. Finn, who worked on Biblios and Herbaceous and a bunch of other games um, that are quite good. So uh, they're teaming up, and they're bringing us this new tiling city-building game, which... I'm always a fan if you say tile laying and city building. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to be drafting projects, arranging them in your own play area. And it's a nice, quick 40 minute family like game where you're kind of visiting these different cities. I like the artwork that they're kind of showing on the, on the covers. It's like the highly illustrated, you know, isometric view that you sometimes get on like the highly stylized city maps that you could buy in like tourist shops. The, the, um, box, the box looks like a puzzle. It does, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great way to put it. So it, it's got like the right vibes going on, and I really dig that. Um, in terms of like the tiles themselves, honestly, I don't know if they actually look that great, but <laughs> it's, uh, it does have a cool overall um, like art style going for it. And if it's a Phil Walker Harding game, if it's coming through to Veer, it's like that smaller tier that they have. It's mm-hmm. not going to be like this big, complicated, heavy thing. And I know I just kind of ravaged world wonders for being underwhelming in that way but it also doesn't look like it's going to cost fifty dollars and have these stupid (laughs) meeples that don't need to be in there Um, and phil walker harding has a history of just making good games that are simple and quick right yeah baron park still great so i look forward to this one um it's not again it's not one of their big releases it's not their big essen release which it's it's not clear which of these games is going to be that could be daitoshi or it could be sand uh, we'll talk about those in future weeks, but this one looks cool. It looks like the kind of one I would just randomly pick up. So, uh, Cities, I will be, I'm sure, checking it out next year at PAX uh, in 2024. <laughs> no, this is great. It Like, again, it's it's mostly a cover and some kind of game mechanics and some good designers. So, yeah, something to shake your stick at. So, Anthony, that seems like a very small, cheap, inexpensive game that everyone can play, right? Uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. it does. All right, I got the opposite for you. Yeah. <laughs> so something that came out a month or so ago uh, was WizKids announced Star Trek Into the Unknown. It's a new space miniatures game that will hit stores in April 2024. Actually, in fact, it will also be featured or shown off at PAX Unplugged, uh, I guess, less than a month? I don't know. It seems like less than a month. It's less than a month, right? It is less than a month, yes. <laughs> it's less than a month. I'm Yeah, time and space. We went back an hour, so I don't, I don't know what's happening here. So the quick one line to this whole thing is, if you've seen or played Star Wars Armada, which was the capital ship version, like the big battle ships and such, this is what it's like for Star Trek. Now let's take a let's go back into the Wayback Machine. Uh, Star Wars X Wing Miniatures game was little kind of dog fighting scrub fighters, X Wings and Tie Fighters around a little map, cool. And then Star Trek Attack Wing did the same thing, but with their bigger ships because they really don't use a lot of the smaller you know single fighters in that kind of universe. So to speak, I know in Dominion War there are several things. Please don't come at me. I know all this stuff. I'm just trying to make it quick and easy. So uh, Star Wars got smart, and they went big with all their big capital ships, Star Destroyers, and stuff like that. And then 
Star Trek didn't do anything more with their miniatures games other than like reprinting them as far as rules are concerned, repainting them and correcting a lot, a lot of the rules. So now they're, they're finally ready to get into the big ships. The big ships are here. Uh, the, the big enterprise is there with the sorcerer section disconnects. And this is all set in the Dominion War. Now, if you're not a Star Trek fan, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's the, it's the series. It's the DS9, Deep Space Nine series where there's a lot of battling. So, of course, miniatures game battling. Uh, this game comes with the Enterprise and the Dominion. So, uh, you get two Dominion ships, you get two Federation ships, a Defiant class ship along with the Enterprise. And then you circle around and you shoot at each other because, you know, violence. Uh, but interesting enough, this has a campaign that goes along with it. So you can sit down and play a one-on-one -on -one kind of game, but you can also play multiple, multiple different missions that kind of build. And where it differs from Star Wars Armada is they're actually, in fact, like mission tokens to kind of go to, and those will score you victory points. So you can literally win the game without destroying the other ship. And that's very different. Um, it's also very Star Trek. And I appreciate that because sometimes you want to like, I mean, that's what mostly what Star Trek is. Like a lot of ships are kind of threatening each other across the neutral zone and they're trying to accomplish their own particular goals. That's pretty much almost every episode of Star Trek. And then every once in a while they fight. So yeah, uh, this looks great. I'm really excited and happy. It is $150, which makes me really much, much less happy. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's bananas, man. Yeah, it, it's going on pre-order in some sites for about $119. Uh, I, the biggest challenge for this, Anthony, is going to be, like it's always been, the organized play events. Because WizKids and so many other companies have not been able to really do a long-term, substantial plan job of getting these stores to run these campaigns. They start out, they fizzle out, they don't get the support they need. Friendly local game stores are a dying breed, more or less. I mean, COVID did a number on them, but they were already on the decline. So I am not sure, even if I pick this up, where I'm going to be able to play this. Because I don't. there's not a local game store within at least 45 minutes of me. And that doesn't mean that they'll run it either. So um, I'm very hopeful, WizKids. Go out and get all those stores on board or get, I don't know, neutral third-party locations. Get some libraries in on this or I don't know where else. Run it in a hotel. <laughs> Just run some hotel space and, and run the campaigns because it looks great. I think a lot of people would be willing to invest because WizKids, Star Trek ships, the paint jobs were really bad. Like, really bad. These look amazing. They're like, the detail is outrageous. They look great. I want to play this, but you got to get the organized play together. That's all I'm saying. Because it's money. <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and these games are lifestyle games. These are not games where you could just like pick it up and put it down and then walk away from it. Like You need to be like in the flow because the organized play events are going to happen. And if you're not doing those, you're missing out on everything that's connected to the game. So uh, it's a commitment, to say the least. Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm not even a big Star Trek person, but I, I dig... Well, I just dig the idea of big capital ship anything type game. I never really got into Armada or anything like that because of the issue of sure finding people to play with. 
Uh, so I'm sure this would be the same problem, as you said, but <laughs> I like the idea of it. Sure. Very cool. Uh, so it will be the packs. There's some, there's like very sketchy videos out there where people record on their phones, their press release kind of thing. But yeah, I think, I mean, at the very least, the ships look amazing. If you're a fan, check it out. Awesome. I'm also looking for lower decks. Could they produce some lower deck stuff? That's all I'm saying. If you could produce a lower deck game, that'd be great too. That'd be cool. Excellent. All right. Well, those are the games that we're looking forward to seeing. Anthony, let's do the thing where we talk about the games that did at the table this week. And we'll let everybody know if those games are a buy, a play, a dodge, or a dreaded burn. Uh, this week, I was gaming, but mostly with kids and some adults who have never played games before. So I got some games <laughs> in, so to speak, amongst, I was running the event. So I was running up, running down, playing games and things like that. Uh, everyone was having fun, but if everyone, if anyone's ever run an event or a party, you know it's not for you. The party's not for you. But I got a couple of games in that I do want to talk about because that's what we do. It's a podcast about board games. <laughs> so uh, stick with me here. First off, I uh, played a game of Terraforming Mars, the dice game. Uh, we've talked about this previously. We played this at Gen Con when it first came out or kind of came out. I know it was getting, wasn't even at backers yet. This is a game. This is Terraforming Mars, the dice game. I don't, I don't know how much more I have to say about it. Um, we reviewed this before. It's a small board with Mars on it. It has much of the same elements of terraforming Mars. So you have your oxygen, oxygen track, you have your temperature track, you're placing cities, you're placing, uh, forests, you're placing oceans, you're terraforming Mars. When you do that by placing tiles out there, you gain bonuses based upon what particular spot you play on. How do you do that? Well, primarily the whole game comes down to two elements. First is cards you have to be able to pay for the cost of the cards to do the different teleforming elements that happen on mars how do you do that it's done with dice my friends it's a dice episode so basically there are a number of different colored dice and they represent different resources in the game and when you get these dice typically you're going to roll them and based on what face shows it might show a common element or something you know, moderately rare or something extremely rare. Maybe I only have one side on a die. So throughout the game, you are using cards and dice to kind of build up your pool. You're purchasing and putting out cards into your tableau, which gives you any number of special abilities, including more dice when you go into like a reset phase. Come back from the reset phase. You have new dice. You have new cards. You get to do it again until someone scores, scores all the points, and someone wins. It's Terraforming Mars in the lightest format, I think. Um, played it with a bunch of people several times. It was a big hit, but everyone I talked to did either prefer the full-side Terraforming Mars game or Ares Expedition. So, uh, you know, from eight different people at that game site, that was the kind of consensus throughout. Uh, not bad but not as good as the other iterations. I think I fall in the same spot. I've played this a few more times now and I like it a lot, but it, the reason I like it, the reason it gets played now is because it can set it up faster and it's shorter. Yes. Not because I like it better. Yeah. So it's a very good game, but it is like, once you've played it a few times, you're like, okay, I'd like to have a few more strategic decisions to make sure. here that aren't just based on the dice and stuff that pop up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
the big the big box comes out, you know, every now and then as well. Yeah, again, it 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 has that same mechanic as far as whatever cards you get in your hand, as far as what, whether you purchase them or not. You have X number of resources. You're going to try to build as many of those cards as possible, and then get more resources. That's true about any of the versions of the game. But this is lighter. It's faster. Gets more people involved. And again, it's it's still terraforming Mars. It still fits that. And I again, I appreciate that they could have done something much more simple, much more basic with it, and just been like, "It's the dice game. Don't worry about it." But it actually plays. I think it plays. I think if you like terraforming Mars, you absolutely, positively deserve to play this. Um, if you're a big fan, you'll probably already own this. If you did not like terraforming Mars, this will not change your mind. Um, it's just a little lighter and faster and almost a little too basic, but it borders the line for me, Anthony, with the play and the buy again, like you said, because there's two other versions of this out there, I don't know if I'm carrying all three versions with me or two versions of this with me. I'm always going to pick Ares expedition just because it fits. It's the middle child. It's, It's the middle as far as table take up. It's the middle as far as gameplay is concerned. And, you know, I don't know. It's the mechanic that I like better as far as that's concerned. But, uh, yeah, Terraform the Dice Game, uh, Mars Dice Game, play and or buy, depending on your level of interest. This certainly is, if I can get this on sale, I'll pick it up. All right, so let's talk about uh, another great game that I got a chance to play. And, again, um, this is one, <laughs> I, I guess, from, like, a throwback that I haven't played I don't know, maybe in eight or nine years. Mm. Uh, Tishu, uh, oh, way wow. back from 1991, people were like, hey, you want to play some Tishu? And I'm like, oh, dear God, no. And they're like, <laughs> why? I'm like, I've played that game. People like, like were shooting daggers at each other from their eyes throughout that game. Because if you have not played Tishu, um, it is a ladder climbing game. So it's a trick-taking game, so to speak, but a ladder-climbing game because there's other elements that go along to it. But what's really challenging is you have a partner. So it's not just you playing out your hand and trying to win the tricks or avoid the tricks depending on the situation. You have a partner that you're playing with, and you want to be able, you and your partner want to be able to go out first, collect as many tricks as possible, depending on the situation, and then use all your cards as quickly as possible. But you also have to consider that there are special cards in the game. So beyond the typical, you know, pokers, you know, poker, you know, cards 52. So you have your your aces, your kings, your queens, your jacks, tens, and all those kind of nines and such. There are also four special cards that come into the game. There's a one card, which when you play it, you get to make a wish. And you got to you get to ask the next player to play a certain card. Um, since you are passing cards to left and right of you, the enemies and your partner across from you, this gives you an opportunity to almost like go go fish and make them play a card from their hand that probably will disrupt their gameplay. Because generally when you play the game, you want to put sets, whether it's two of a kind, full houses, or large straights. So, And also, since you're handing cards out to your part, your enemies, so to speak, your opponents, you know at least one card that they have. So you can ask for that card, and hopefully it disrupts their pattern a little bit. There's also the dog card that's kind of interesting and also dangerous because when you play that card, when you when you get to start on a trick, 
it lets your partner go. It lets them take their turn. So it's it kind of jumps the other players. But if you get stuck in a situation where it's in your hand at towards the end of the game, it's nearly impossible to get rid of it because people are playing bigger and bigger cards. The Phoenix comes into play, and basically the Phoenix is like an additional card. It's like it's like if you have an ace, it can also be an ace. Or if you have a, if you're trying to run a straight and you need an ace, it could just be an ace by itself. So it's a 1.5 card. So it's like an ace, and then the Phoenix is a 0.5, but it has a large negative points to it as well. So you don't want to end up with the Phoenix because it's negative 25. Finally, the Dragon card gives you 25 points if you're able to catch it, and then you're also going to be able to pass it to one of the opponents that you think are not going to be able to go out. Uh, so there's a lot of strategy in this game. I'm not even scratching the surface. The scoring in this game is a lot, and I will not get into that because that will yeah. be a whole podcast. Um, yeah. There's things about calling tissue. So you're basically calling out that you're going to, you're predicting that you're going to win that particular round. And there's, again, there's other versions. There's higher versions of tissue, grand tissue to ask for. Again, there's a lot to it. It's a small deck card game. It needs four players. You play with a partner. It's trick-taking. And you know what? Once you get past playing it like a round or two, once you get the feel and the flow to it, it's actually a very good game. And you you have like great moments where you put out a, a large straight or you pass it to your partner and they're able to go out and you really feel a a sense of accomplishment. And yet at the same time, there are just other times where because of the random cards that you've been given, the opponents win before you get to do anything. So Hmm. teach you Um, definitely a play for me. I could see, mm, I don't know if I could see buying this because again, it has a lot of that kind of predictive stuff. But it's definitely worth the play. If you've not played it, you should play it. If you are playing it, you're already in. Like, because this is this is a game for people. This is like their game. Yeah, I've only played it a couple of times. I had fun, but I remember it taking a little bit of time to kind of wrap my head around it. So, it, yeah, like the bidding and the scoring is its own thing. Like, it really is a thing that you have to sit down and kind of figure out, and because that's a whole thing. But the actual gameplay, once you get those four cards in your your head down. It's pretty straight. That being said, there's also like caveats, right? You can, if you do four of a kind, it's called a bomb. And even if, even if there's nothing, like if they have a, you know, a five or six card straight, you throw a bomb and you win automatically and you can play it out of turn. So again, there's a lot of like side rules. I don't know. Uh, Definitely a play. Definitely, definitely a play. You should absolutely play this. Another tiny little game that I got to play (laughs) uh, is Pop the Box. Uh, Anthony, have you ever played those games where it's just rolling two dice and you're trying to flip the numbers in the box from like one to nine? Do you no. know these games? I don't know. Yeah, it's a pretty standard game. Um, close the box. I mean, again, it has a lot of different variations to it. Um, Pop the box is Blue Orange's kind of version of the game. It it basically, all of these games are the same. It's basically on one side and on the other side of a rectangle box, there are numbers from one to nine. Your job is to roll dice, and then depending on the outcome of those dice, let's say you roll a six and a three, you got a nine. You could flip the nine. Great. Or you could flip a six and a three, a four. You know, you could flip any combinations that equal 
nine. Excellent. And you want to be able to get as many numbers flipped as possible. So pop the box is identical, but instead it has that kind of, I don't know what, what's the, it has a popping tray. Anthony, you know, these popping trays, like it's the biggest thing now oh, for kids. Yeah. Yeah. My kids have like a thousand of those. Yeah. So this, I, this I do know. <laughs> yes. So the popping trays are just there to keep those, you know, basically to knock the numbers out, but it's still fun. It's colorful. It's pink and yellow and blue, blue, green in the middle. And you're rolling dice and you're popping your numbers. And at some point you're going to roll numbers that you can't pop the numbers. At that point, you have to stop, count up your numbers, and that's your score. And then either you or your opponent, whoever has the lowest number, uh, wins that round. You play three rounds, or I'm sorry, you play, the, you play the best of three. Or if you're able to get all of your numbers popped, you win the whole game. So there's kind of like a shoot your moon kind of situation, which literally comes down to rolling one die, or two in some cases, and then trying to get that particular number. Uh, it, I've seen this in a lot of places. I've never seen the pop version of it. And I was like, sure, I need to pick this up. It comes in a cute little carrying case. It's, it's a little mathy for like little kids. Cause again, they have to figure out how they, you know, split a number up. Um, not much strategy to it. You're rolling dice. It's fun. It's definitely worth the play. I mean, whether it's pop the box version of it or any number of these kind of flip the numbers, so to speak, roll the dice. It's it's something fun. It's just something to pass the time. It plays with non-gamers, right? Roll two dice. What was your total? Cool. Split that up amongst the numbers that you have. Okay, great. Keep doing that until you can't do it anymore. That's it. Awesome. Done. It's a game. It's, it's <laughs> luck, done. It's luck-driven. It's, it's 100% luck-driven with the very slightest, I don't know if I'm going to take the nine or the five and four. That's it. But again, you probably want to take the nine because nine, eight, and seven, if you get rid of those numbers, then you can roll just a single die. But then again, I don't know. It's up to you. It's a luck-based dice game. It's fun. Play one of the versions of it. They're like, you could see them at like the holiday time. They're like five or ten bucks at your big box store. Like as you wait for the register, you're like, what is this? This is this is a game? And they're like, eh, kind of. So yeah, pop in the <laughs> box. It's a play. Because, you know, reasons. Yeah. All right. Um, finally, I got to teach and play um, her story. Uh, this is a game that I definitely wanted to talk about because Underdog Games was nice enough to partner with us for our charity event. Previously, they had sent us a review copy that we, you know, Anthony, we got to play with Will at one of the conventions. I got to play here um, with my family, and they were nice enough to donate 54 copies to the girls, the Girl Scouts that, that were in attendance. So they all got a copy of the game. Um, one of the nicest things about the game is it's really high quality, exceptionally high quality for the price. The production is top notch. The artwork's top notch. The information on all these tremendous women throughout history is amazing. It's not just a blurb. It's a full history. The game comes with a nice neoprene mat. Great production. Um, you know, there's no there's no trays to punch. All the pieces have been pre-punched and put in the bag. Bags high quality, all the pieces are high quality, comes with stickers and bookmarks and postcards and things like that. The gameplay itself is pretty straightforward. It's one of three actions. Primarily, you're going to take research tokens that have symbols on them. You're going to use those tokens to be able to draft, um, first, hopefully get a draft of 
one of these famous women into your your like learn learning section and then eventually research them enough to put them in your book. So what's what's so great about that? Well, it's a kind of a Euro game. It's a light Euro game because each of the cards either has a lot of points or they have a special ability that's ongoing or an end game ability, right? It's our game. It's our kind of stuff. So it's not kind of like a cheap kind of throwaway game. It actually has Euro mechanics in it that are quite enjoyable. Kids enjoyed it. The adults enjoyed it. I love when everyone enjoys it. Um, it's something definitely worth your time. It for the price, it's it's a giveaway at the very least. So um, it gets a buy for me just because again, the number of people it plays with, the quality of the components and stuff like that out there. Um, but again, since just want to let you know, again we received a review copy. They helped us with the event, but regardless, I would say that anyway because we did previously. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't change our review from before. This is a great game. Yeah. Um. Like you said, it's it's one of those games you look at it and it looks like, oh, this is like educational stuff <laughs> that you bring into school and eh. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. It has like serious thought behind it. And the company that makes this game has made a lot of really good games that are similar in style, like the trekking the world, trekking through history. Mm-hmm. Um just fantastic approaches on what would otherwise be like maybe like you said, kind of this throwaway educational theme. Yeah. So it's really cool that they did this and they took the time to do it right. And it, it's a really good experience. Yeah, I was surprised by the Euro mechanics. I mean, mm-hmm. again, they were on the lighter side, but I was just still surprised because, like, you do have to make strategic decisions as far as am I going to take a card that it's that's based on end game points and then built on that card, or mm-hmm. am I going to take an ongoing thing? You know, I'll, there's elements to I, I guess Splendor as far as that's concerned. So if you played Splendor, you got some of that elements, but it's much better than Splendor. Just saying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love whenever we compare anything to Splendor. We're like, it's kind of like Splendor, except, you know, way better than that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's get on to our feature review. So, our feature review this week, again, we are talking about one of the greatest, greatest board game mechanics out there. I guess component pieces out there dice. Dice are amazing. I love dice. Anthony, fan of dice? Uh, I have a handful of D20s on my desk that oh. I fidget with the whole time we're recording. So <laughs> I occasionally have to tweak the audio because uh, the dice sound will be in the background. So sure. yes, I like dice. <laughs> and in particular, these are dice in board games. We're not covering role-playing games because that's its whole thing. Maybe one day we'll drag Will on to talk about all the different complexities of dice in different role-play games. And as you mentioned, Anthony, D20s. Like the quintessential... D20s, the quintessential die. dice, right? The best die. Yeah, my kids are always like, I have to keep these here, and then I have to hide them sometimes because if if Jack sees them, he's like, "Oh, d twenties, that's cool. I'm going to take that. I'm going to use it for my own little project." I'm like, "Where'd all my <laughs> dice go?" Yeah, if you're a role player, it gives you like license to buy dice. I mean, any convention I've ever been to, just the endless numbers of booths to sell dice. I'm like, you don't need that many dice. But again, you yeah, you a, do. I think Will mentioned it. You become a, a dice goblin. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we should also mention the last convention we went to with Will, he bought a lot of extra dice. Yep, yep. That, and, and hey, if you have an excuse to buy them, buy them. <laughs> <laughs> they're nice. They're fun. Yeah. And, and again, they're quintessential role play games and even board games as far as like a D20, right? If you say board game, maybe you think Pawn or Meeple, but like the D20 is a thing. So the way, again, thanks to our Patreon backer here for being able to kind of give us a great, you know, feature review here. What I did as far as the dice mechanics, 
is we know about dice, right? All different shapes and sizes, you know, and they're quintessential for so many reasons and they're used so well. I wanted to talk about unique ways in which dice are used in games. And some are a little basic and some are pretty advanced. And again, there's so many more than this. I'm so excited. Anthony, um, one of the most basic mechanics in which dice are used, again, how about a roll and move game? Right. Yeah, this is the one everybody knows. Uh, and I, I have data on this because I've taught classes with using board games. And the one board game everybody's played, Monopoly. Now, we're not talking about Monopoly because that game sucks. But roll and move is used a lot. Yeah, it is. And again, there's a lot of great games for this. I One of my favorites is Coliseum, which I'm not going to really talk about here because, again, it's, it's a roll-and-move game. And I'm like, hey, a cool roll-and-move game. The one that I wanted to talk about because the game has so many dice in it and because they're used uniquely is Formula D. Uh, if you haven't played it, Formula D is a Formula One racing game. And basically, you have your little miniature racers and you're racing around the track. Here's the fun thing. As you shift up and down the gears, you're utilizing different dice to be able to do so. And man, you get to roll a lot of dice and you get to press your luck in those games. That's the thing about this game, right? Because it comes with a D30 and everybody wants to roll the D30. (laughs) (laughs) If you shift all the way up to roll a D30, there's a good chance you're going to crash. So. uh And it, it, it emulates racing well, because you're like, okay, you want to go into top gear? You're going to have to shift down before you get to that turn. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you rolled a 28 on the D30. Well, you're going <laughs> to crash into the wall now. So, it's a good way to go, uh, man. <laughs> it's, but it's fun to roll. It's yeah. fun to roll. So it's, it's just, you get seven different dice of all different combinations, and you get to roll them. And, of course, you want to get to the D30, and you want to press your luck. And they're all different colors, and it's so satisfying to, like, again, these game mechanics are so abstracted, but having a D30 really does feel like your gears are all up, right? I mean, it's it's the size of the die. It's huge. So it you really do get that tactile sensation of, like, I'm going for it. I got power in my hand. Now, you can roll a one. That happens, too. But more or less, yeah, the odds are inside that you're going to fly down the track, which is fun. And also, you're going to bump your head a little bit. So, <laughs> right. Formula D, great game. Check it out. All right. Next up is a another one that I want to talk about. And this is probably more of Anthony's thing, but I picked my particular game here. So, I'll give him a chance to. Anthony, rolling rights. You like rolling rights. <laughs> I know. I, I love this because I, you can tell that you made the, the spreadsheet entry here because this is not... I mean, I like this game fine. I know. Uh, roll through the ages. but. There's so many other rolling rights that I would 100%. throw on here. <laughs> 100%. So I was like, when I was putting this list together, I was like, I'm going to leave a couple spots open for Anthony because I think he has a better feel for this. But then I think, like, oh, he just thinks I didn't finish it. But uh, let me just go with mine, <laughs> okay? Because oddly enough, I was the biggest fan of rolling right until it went wrong. And you were like, you hated trick-taking games, and then eventually went right for you. So, like, we switched, right? Like, completely. So, roll through the ages, the Bronze Age, and there's very there's multiple ages here. So, you can play other versions of this. This was the version I played way back in 2008. And it was a revolutionary game, because 
basically it was a roll and write. And the what was interesting about it was this was kind of a really great bar game because it had these big chunky, I guess like puck like plates where you put these different markers in as far as getting resources and being able to spend them. But the dice, they were wooden dice, and on the wooden dice had different resources and also had plagues on it. So you wanted to roll these dice for one, they feel so good in the hand, but also when you roll them, there's a possibility of everything going incredibly bad. But if you press your luck, you could just have a revolution on someone else's board. So right, right. that was also fun. So it was like, oh, bad. But maybe bad enough if I roll that something happens <laughs> to someone else instead of me. So, <laughs> I mean, I still own this game. I still play this game. This game is still a lot of fun to me. And this is a great portable game with wooden dice, which, again, you don't see very often these days. Yeah, it, it is a great game. And it, it's one of those things that, that, like, you don't think about now in the glut of rolling rights that have come out since. Sure. Um, but this was Matt Leacock. Yeah. Right? This And it came out the same year as Pandemic, yeah. which is crazy. Um, which is why maybe we don't think about it as much, because his other game is yeah. you know, a multi-million dollar franchise. Um, if you want another roll and write that isn't peg based obviously the, the that's pretty clever series there's four of them now those are great railroad mm-hmm. inc also great fleet the dice game also great yeah so lots of good options out there um but this is a good one i don't disagree i just thought it was funny that you yeah <laughs> well there's also roll through the ages the iron age which has a little more advanced mechanics and there's also era medieval age um that's more recent where you're still doing almost the same thing, but you're actually using plastic buildings instead of writing. So it's just, it's rolling, but not writing anymore. Kind of. Yeah. I, it's, it's a funny game. It's like taking roll through the, or roll through the ages and turning it into a big, broad, sprawling, expensive board game. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing we do in this, in this hobby. Yeah. Um, and, and the game, the idea of the game, or at least the concept of the game is kind of taken from through the ages, a story of civilization. So it's supposed to be a civilization building game right but in a dice format so that's also revolutionary it, it probably tells the best story of any roll and write because fleet the dice game is close-ish and twilight imperium is just way too long nobody wants to play that so if, if you want a game that actually has a narrative or structure to it this is probably the best one yeah all right well another way in which dice are used and again this is just an endless category of great games dice as workers anthony Mm. Now, I did pick, again, controversial, lots of great games that use dice as workers, like endless numbers of games. Yeah, The one I picked was The Voyages of Marco Polo. And again, this, this is back in 2015. What, was, what I felt was innovative about this was the dice were so consequential to what you were able to do at all. Like, it wasn't right. even a question, because if somebody had higher pips on their dice and again in some scenarios lower pips depending on the situation you got blocked out from like whole sections whole mechanics you may not been able to travel or take resources in and getting low dice getting low dice rolls and sometimes so low that they 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 threw some camels at you because they felt bad uh it really and then again you're also traveling across asia and having your dice out there is just, it's just, it, you just feel the dice are the whole game. It just feels like 
please be an amazing worker this round. I just need you to be great. Yeah, no, it, this was the first game that I really like realized that you could do this in a Euro, mm-hmm. right? Like Twa came out a few years before this and it has a similar like use your dice as workers and yeah. lots of ways to mitigate that and everything. But it was also a little wonky in the way it worked and you were messing with each other a lot more. Yeah, This is just, you have five dice, you roll those dice, whatever those numbers are, those are the power of the workers you're going to place out. And you mm-hmm. can mitigate them, you can improve them, you can re-roll them, you can take the black dice. But at the end of the day, it's, it's what you roll and now you need to do the best you can with what you're given. Um, but at the same time, the game is not broken if you roll low because there is one of the powers basically lets you to place any die number you want anywhere. Uh, awesome. And you don't <laughs> automatically win the game with that. So Makes no sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But that's how well balanced the game is. You look at it and you're like, oh, well, I rolled all ones. I'm going to lose. I'm like, not necessarily. You have like 14 camels now. You have a lot of options of what you can do. Uh, yeah, still one of my favorite games of all time. And I th- still think the best game to illustrate this mechanic so great choice 100 percent. yeah all right well another great mechanic here similar dice as units now in this point they could be ships they could be warriors and again lots and lots of games like this the one that really kind of stood out for me was the one that came out in 2013 this is quantum now quantum is in some respects in a very light respect this is kind of a 4x game of cosmic space travel and battling and and settling one of the kind of most problematic thing was when you got the game at least the first edition the dice were sticky because they really try to come out with these beautiful translucent dice that look like gummy candies and each player had their own color now what makes this so innovative and fresh is the fact that depending on the dice face depending on the number of pips on that particular die, it's a different type of ship. So the larger, powerful ships are going to be the lower pips because they're going to move slower, they're going to move different, and then the higher ones are going to be more of your support ships and travel. And also, again, you're going to upgrade ships, downgrade ships based upon what you need by you know, manipulating the dice to different dice faces and the dice themselves will let you know as far as what you can do on the particular board, where you can move and what your special ability is. So from a simple glimpse at the board, instead of having all those miniatures out there where you have to try to figure out, you can look at an opponent's dice, know exactly what their ships are, what they can do and where they can go just by looking at dice faces. And again, it's so interchangeable and usable and the dice are bright and chunky, and they're just like stellar on that particular board. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a shame that this game is out of print, will remain out of print. There's no interest in reprinting it. Um, but you can play online, which it's not the greatest way to play a dice game, but if you can find a copy, 100% recommend. 100%. And I, I think we should also... Uh, yeah, this, is, this was um, created by someone called Eric Zimmerman, just saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we we should mention that. We have worked with Eric Zimmerman. He presented at our conference in August. So uh, just a disclaimer there, I suppose. I'm just calling it. Eric, I want to reprint the game. I know I'm not yeah. a publisher, but <laughs> I'm, I, I'm the first one to say it live on the podcast. So, ooh, me over here. I love that game. I have, I have an original copy. Can you sign my copy? I love it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next 
particular mechanic that I like a lot is rolling for resources. Now, this is kind of obvious, and everyone's done this in a lot of different games. The one that really piqued my interest, again, going back a little bit, is Stone Age from 2008. What was so innovative about that was you were sending out uh, your you know, workers, so to speak, to particular areas on the board, and then you got to roll dice to see if you were able to retrieve resources. Depending on the particular resource you're trying to get, food, you need a two and up. Wood, three and up. Clay, bricks, four and up. I think metals, I'm sorry, stone is five, and I think gold was six. And you roll, you get to roll bunches and bunches of dice, but you have to hit that particular number. So you can roll, you can gamble or not gamble and be like, I just need two food. So I'll send two people out there because it's a low number. Or I need a lot of gold. I'll put out, you know, I'll roll six dice and not get anything back at all. It's just, it's so, it's such an amazing press your luck element. You're, you're trying to do the math, which is silly because they're dice and they're just going to roll what they're going to roll. I'm sorry. That's just what happens. So, but it's, it really is fun and interesting as far as like, you know what the odds are. You can, you know, appropriate a number of dice to hopefully meet that condition and to get you what you want, but also at the same time, they're dice. So yeah, the pips do matter in that game where you place them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's Stone Age is one of those classic games that I never really think of until it hits the table. And I'm like, oh, this is really clever and just so basic and simple and introductory to the mechanics. And it's, it's perfect in that way. Absolutely. All right. Well, the next mechanic I want to take a look at, um, again, and I think this is this is one of my favorite games of all time. This is top 10, top five, so to speak. Uh, this is dice as resources that you get when you roll them. Um, I'm specifically talking about the Manhattan Project Energy Empire from 2016. What is so interesting and innovative about this game? It's not about war. It's about about the different countries producing resources that their people need. Now, in order to produce those resources, you have an opportunity to be able to choose, purchase, so to speak, dice that represent different types of energy. So uh, if you're going to take uh, solar wind, then you're looking at the green and blue. So they don't produce pollution or very little uh, pollution, but they don't produce as much energy. You want to go a little more dirty than the black and brown dice because that's coal and petroleum. They produce more energy, but now they're doing some serious pollution. And then finally, you know, just like, uh, Formula D, if you want to roll the really big, powerful die, that would be the nuclear die. That's the yellow and black die. Uh, this yeah, yellow buddy. die with the black numbers, like, it's going to do some really bad stuff. So, But you get a lot of power out of it. So throughout the game, you are trying to mitigate you know, the damage that's being done to your environment as you're rolling particular dice. You could have whole strategies going clean or whole strategies where you go dirty. There's also strategies where you build up, you go clean to dirty and then back to clean again. (laughs) And then the dice themselves, they also have different faces on them. So they will produce different amounts of energy and different amounts of pollution, depending on the, the dice face that shows up. Again, in a lot of ways, there is, there's a lot of games that use dice out there, 
this game really like it's a life and death situation, like literally on the board. Yeah, this is like you said, this is one of my favorite games of all time as well. Um, and part of it is the dice, right? Like it's it's worker placement, it's tableau building, but at the end of the day, it's it's about mitigating what you ultimately have to roll. There's a that little bit of element in there where you can't quite control it, and you just have to build everything in such a way that you can kind of manage it as best possible. Um, yeah, love that. And they're nice and colorful too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great production. Absolutely. All right. Now we talked about some different elements. I'm going to go a little more basic here. Dice as puzzle pieces. Now, we've seen a lot of games where dice have a lot of beautiful colors. Well, what if you have to put together a certain shape or symbol or a design? Well, how about Sagrada? Because basically, you are rolling dice to produce these beautiful stained glass win- you know, window pieces. And based upon the particular board that you're, the creation that you're putting together, certain pit numbers are required or certain colors are required to score like the right number or the additional amounts of points. But basically there's a number of rules that go into what can be placed near each other as far as numbers are concerned. And it's just a gorgeous game. It's just a beautiful game. There's several expansions to it, a number of different ways to play to it. But again, the table presence building that puzzle together to build that stained glass with all the different numbers of the pips. Beautiful game. Beautiful. Yeah. Sagrada's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, like you said, it's just a puzzle, yeah. but the dice play such an important role in that puzzle. Uh, it's not just an aesthetic choice. They, they really are a necessary part. Very much so. All right. Well, you know, following along with that dice is building materials. This was another situation where, like we talked about before, the dice based upon their color could have different qualities to it. So blueprints, blueprints are all about building up the buildings based upon the blueprints. So you have clear dice, you have orange, green, and black, brown. Uh, Basically what you're doing is each of the dice has a different building material that's accounted for based upon the color. And then you have those blueprint sketches that you're able to put together. It shows you the 3D sketch on the blueprint. And then you actually have to physically build it with the little stack of dice based upon how many dice go into each particular section of that particular blueprint. In addition to that, there is kind of like a massive wall that you kind of put together, but it's so much fun to be able to build up those individual blueprints, again, based upon the pip number and based upon that particular shape that goes into it. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And again, the different colors based on the wood and the glass and everything else scores a bunch of different building points. Yeah, Blueprints is one of those games that just like every time they finally get it back in print, it disappears it almost does. immediately. It It's a shame because it's such a clever, fun little game. And it's, I I think I had a copy at one point and I don't know what happened to it, but I like owning it. I would happily pick up another copy if they would just bring it back. Yeah, again, it's fun. Like the idea of having these clear dice as glass or having green dice as recycled material and then, of course, based upon where you place them in that particular blueprint, uh, they'll score differently. So what's next to what works. And again, it kind of lends itself to that kind of like structural integrity. So I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, next up is dice as activators. So lots of games where depending on where you utilize your dice and based upon 
obviously the, the pips to unlock or utilize that particular section, things happen. So the game in which games things happen the most because of particular dice placements on the board? I don't know. How about the Castles of Burgundy way back in 2011? Heck yeah. It's it, Nothing works better than a point salad system yes. for showing off dice activation. <laughs> and again, the game comes down to that dice rolling. You roll the dice, and then based upon the pips that are available, it allows you to either pull from a general market board of tiles, and then, again, based upon the, the pips that are available on your particular dice, you'll be able to put it into your own section on your player board. So pips matter. Uh, there's workers that kind of help you mitigate the dice, and there are sections on the board that also help you mitigate the dice. But life and death on those dice rolls. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, if you don't have workers and you get a bad dice roll, then you have to waste a turn getting workers, basically. And never fun to lose a turn in a game like this. So, And it's just a brilliant game, and the dice mechanic, as you said, Anthony, the point salad is just wonderful. And it never needs a deluxe version. I'm just saying. Stay the way it is, kids. <laughs> no, no, it's pretty. It's pretty. Justify my expenses. Please. <laughs> I spent so much money on this. It's, it is very pretty, but the box is too big now. How are the dice in that game? Uh, uh, fine. Oh, no. They upgraded everything but the dice? I'm sure they did. I Honestly, honestly, I don't really pay attention to D6s oh, in no. anything. They'd have to be really fancy, and I don't think they're really fancy. Yeah, that's are. all right. You didn't spend a lot of money for that game or anything, so it's fine. No, shush, shush, shush. <laughs> <laughs> Justifying our collection since 2013, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some people call it a podcast. Some people call it a crutch. I don't know. We're here every week. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's awesome. <laughs> um, next up is one of my most favorite games as far when it comes to uh, utilizing dice. This is Coimbra. Um, it's a dice rolling game, but when you roll the dice, lots of things happen. Because the dice themselves are going to do a lot of different things as far as not just a simple activation, so to speak, but colors and pips. So when it comes to colors and pips, this particular category, they do a lot of different things. You need the particular numbers in order to be able to activate the cards in the particular sections, but the dice themselves snuggle so beautifully into this little plastic kind of crown. And again, based on the color, the color is going to be able to activate different things on the board. So the pips matter and the color matters. And placing the dice into these little dice holders that look like, I guess they're supposed to look like little stone kind of buildings or castles. They kind of look a little more like crowns. Uh, it's really fun. Like the idea of like picking, selecting cards from a market, but also at the same time selecting dice because you know what kind of particular tableau you're building up. So you might benefit from orange or purple dice. And the dice allow you to gain resources, but they also allow you to gain uh, victory points as well. Dice do everything in this game. It allows for movement. It just, it's a fun, bright, beautiful game. And again, pips and colors matter, my friend. They do. Yeah, the, this is actually a pretty brutal cutthroat game because with the draft and the way that functions. Oh, yeah. 
if somebody knows you need an orange dye, well, <laughs> you better hope there's more than one out. I mean, there's, there's always more than one, but you better hope that nobody, people don't take what you need. It's true. And the numbers matter and the color. It's just, it's such a great game. Yeah. All right. Next up, there are a lot of games like this. There are dexterity dice games. You know, when I'm thinking of dexterity dice, I'm thinking about handfuls of dice. I'm thinking about chucking dice. I'm thinking about tumbling dice from 2004 where you're flicking and pushing dice down a wooden platform. They're knocking out other dice, and based on how far you go on that descending board, you're scoring more points. It's almost like a shuffleboard kind of action to it. Um, these are these big, beautiful boards. I think the like, crokinole boards are the best, and then I think these these boards are second. Um, it's just, it's it's fun. Anyone can play this, and again... Very few can play it amazingly, but uh, tumbling nope. dice, man. I've only done this once. It well, I've done it multiple times, but always in the same circumstances. Is at conventions when Eagle Griffin would put out the the board, and if you got the right amount of points and the right landing, you get a certain amount of discount. And of course, <laughs> I always like flick the die off onto the floor somewhere. But I, it, it was cool. It's cool that they did it. <laughs> I think I flicked properly to get myself a copy of Lisboa. If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. You got like a 10 or 15% discount or yeah. something. It's great. Yeah. So we, we got to practice our, our flicking before we go down to packs. Oh, I, I'm terrible at dexterity <laughs> games. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> it's not worth it. All right. Uh, again, another giant category is battle dice. Uh, you're battling and there are dice. Um, one of the best and the quintessential kind of best war game that's a, that's a board game, Memoir 44. And in particular, what you like, what I like best about this is the dice in this game are very pivotal to all, you know, the, the military actions that are taking place here. So what was once a, or I guess in, in some case, in most cases still is, um, giant books where you match up certain things to see if you actually hit a thing based upon its armor class and stuff like that. Now you get to resolve battles one at a time by rolling these dice. And it could show you a hit, again, based on infantry, show you a hit on armor. Um, sh grenade, you're going to hit infantry, armor, or artillery. A miss, or my favorite, again, is like, you could actually, you know, attack and make the other units retreat. Which is also fun because it's it's thematic. Uh, and again, it's Memoir 44. So, battles, you know, you go in with as much strategy as possible, and then you roll dice. And then everything just kind of blows up in your face sometimes. So, yeah, Memoir 44. Yeah, I mean, there are a million games we could throw in here for Battle with Dice. Even, like, really good, amazing, heavy, complex war games often use dice. So, yeah. Uh, but this is this is a great choice because it's probably the most accessible one yes. out there. Like, it's, it's less than an hour, relatively easy to teach. Um, and just the, that command and color system, the way it's broken down for Days of Wonder in the Memoir 44 system is just perfect. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's the game that war gamers respect, right? Like they actually respect that as a, a real war game. And again, that command and color system alongside with the dice rolling there, um, it just works perfectly. Like it's brilliant. There's, there's no flaws in that. All right. Well, next up, we're talking about. Something that, and I don't know, Anthony, do you remember when we first uh, saw this game? This is a game of dice where you are set collections. Do you remember this way back when? I think we were at Gen Con. 
Yeah, I do. And I, I like, I immediately fell in love with this one. Favor of the Pharaoh? Yes, sir. Yeah. I have my signed copy somewhere here. I don't remember where I put it. but um, Yeah, this is fantastic. It's got a lot of variability out of the box because there's a bunch of different ways you can set up the tableau that you're purchasing from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have like your own little par- pyramid that you're rolling dice into. And yeah, you're trying to create different sets that then allow you to get different upgrade cards that then allow you to get more sets and so on and so forth. It's it's almost got like that Yahtzee type of energy, mm-hmm. but much more gamified. Yeah, a lot of opportunities to get special abilities. Thomas Lehman, we got to play with him. And this was one that came out where like, uh, this is way back, right? This is 2015. So we were getting into like, we were like hardcore Euro gamers. So we were like, dice are bad. No, those are Meritrash stuff. And like, he's yeah. like, <laughs> hey, how about this really cool set collection game where you're collecting these particular sets of dice in order to kind of build up your pyramid and activate special abilities, which you're able to put into your kind of tableau. And you're like, oh no, this is, this is amazing. So, and again, it's one of, I, I, one of, and I, I think it might be in some cases, again, we will have to kind of count them, but like, as far as a board game's concerned, this, this game's got a lot of dice, man. This has a lot, a lot of dice. There are a lot of dice and there have to be because it's, it's roll and lock like a Yahtzee, but then like a lot of them, you could have like a dozen die dice locked in front of you. So you need a lot of dice. Yeah. Uh, next up is a quick and easy mechanic, but a really a lot of fun. This is Martian Dice. And why? Because it's a press your luck game, man. Um, there's a lot of this. There's zombie dice and endless numbers of games where you have to roll in order to win. So rolling sets or rolling what you need in order to create certain sets is kind of fun and simple, right? These are the Steve Jackson games that are in like a little little kind of cardboard tumbler. Uh, you are rolling dice um, in order to protect your citizens from all of these Martian alien attack ships. So you roll your your kind of chunky handful of dice. You see how many Martian ships you, you know um, are rolled out there, and then you roll out alongside with the the, the Martians that can come up on this particular side. There's also tanks. Uh, tanks are bad because you're playing the Martians. Uh, there's people. There's cows and there's chickens. So you need to have the appropriate matching number of UFOs to match up, stop those damn tanks, so that you can beam up uh, cows, chickens, and people. And again, based upon certain sets that you get, uh, you score points. I think it's like 25 points is the person who wins. But again, you might roll four tanks. All right. Now you're in a situation where like, you have to roll to at least get enough UFOs. Roll four UFOs and one chicken. Do you want to stop? Because you might want to stop, or you might want to press your luck. Right, yeah, it's it's totally press your luck. But also, again, whenever you roll a tank, you cannot re-roll those dice. Yeah. They're locked. So it's got that Yahtzee thing, but almost like pressing against you. Yes. Like reverse Yahtzee. So uh, it's it's the ultimate press your luck game um, in terms of dice. And it's fun. It's quick. It takes 5-10 minutes. Yeah, it's a fa- fairly inexpensive game. There's a lot of versions of this. I like that one because... It's more comical than the rest. And again, like you said, Anthony, the red tanks are like locking down like, uh oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is getting worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And finally, one of I, I got to say, like the quintessential dice rolling game, uh, bluffing, where you're going to be bluffing using dice. And if you're going to be bluffing using dice, you are probably going to play some version of Liar's Dice. 
whether it's Liar's Dice or Bluff or Perduto or Dudo, um, it's a South American game in which a player is given five dice. You roll them in a, in a cup so you can hide them. You place them down. You see how many, you know, whatever pips you have on the particular dice. And now at this point, you get to kind of make a claim. You could say, uh, you know, there are four fives. I have four fives. And then the other players have to try to beat you by upping the bids. And this is, I guess, recently, or I guess maybe a decade or so ago, got more fame from Pirates of the Caribbean because they played it in the movie. Uh, so there's a lot of those pirates kind of theme, but this goes way back. This is this is a game from the 1800s from um, South America. I own a copy of it because it's fun. <laughs> it's surprisingly yeah. a lot of fun, and you can play with regular dice. You don't need to have fancy dice and cups. You could just get a plastic cup or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like people start yelling at each other, especially when you call somebody on their bid. Yeah. You're like, no, you do not, liar. And then it, you know, obviously, it escalates from there. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it, the fun part is, is that you could get almost any version of this because it is just cups and dice. Yeah. Like I see this in like local bars and taverns. They just have them lying around. They're perfect for that type of environment because if stuff gets wet, it's just cups and dice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's pure bluffing. It's a lot of fun. And obviously it was designed with betting in mind. Mm-hmm. We don't need to do that, but you know, you could always make things interesting <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. And again, it's a quintessential kind of dice rolling game. And you don't even have to roll well because bluffing, right? Right, right, right. Or calling somebody <laughs> else on it. On a, You know, like you could press your luck and just be like, hey, I have five sixes. And they're like, ugh. Then you put them on the spot. So, yeah. No, it's right. a lot of fun. Dice are an amazing component and utilize a lot of amazing mechanics. So... Hopefully one of these many games have inspired you to use your dice a lot more, whether it's a D20 or endless numbers of dice, ideally a D30. But uh, yeah, no, great games across the board. All right, everyone, until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you all. I'll see you at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.